Welcome in to 2 for 1 Drafts. Austin Gale here, the host of 2 for 1 Drafts, a Rookies and Draft Prospects podcast, ready to rip it up with my guy, Mike Renner. We're going to look ahead to college football week 11 and NFL week 10 with some rookies to watch, some prospects to watch. We also have an interview with NFL.com's Chad Ryder. Let's go ahead and get into it. Before we do, i got to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by pristineauction.com. Check out their daily auctions with $1 starting bids on over 8,000 football items up for auction. Pristine Auction guarantees authenticity on every product. Use code PFF for $10 off your first invoice. Let's go. Mike Renner back in studio on 2 for 1 Drafts, the Wednesday episode of 2 for 1 Drafts, where we preview the NFL and college football slate. But before we do, going to Florida this week, sees a family. When's the last time you saw your family? Um, Before COVID. I haven't seen them since. But Man. now... Immune. Now that you're immune. Immune. Now, now that COVID... Had- mutually the respect is there <laughs> george no. and i were joking about that we thought we knew you would go with the obj line after yeah. getting covid <laughs> now it's just you're just not going to let it enter your body yeah i, I mean it, it realized that it doesn't want to fuck with me at jeez, this point jeez look at you all right well, let's go ahead and look ahead to this rookie slate here give me your uh, rookie a rookie you're watching or a rookie matchup you're watching this week uh i'm gonna be watching brian burns the edge defender for the Carolina Panthers. Now he's not the rookie that I'm going to be watching, but he's been cooking of late. Second he's year been player. one of the best breakout second year players. I think pass rush grade over 90, 10 pressures in the past two weeks. He's going up against Tristan Wirfs. Now he didn't see a ton of them in the first matchup. He lined up more of a left tackle, but he's been going against right tackles of late, cooking those unathletic guys. But Wirfs has Wirfs has the athleticism to match them. Did well in the limited snaps. They did face off in the first matchup. Wirfs, man, uh, you can't say enough about how good this dude has been as a rookie. They kind of backed their way into the – actually, I, I don't know. The Bucks may have had him as OT1 all along, but they backed their way into him by being the team that got him, and they got the best rookie offensive tackle so far, in my opinion. Yeah, Brian Burns, the second-year you know defensive end for the Carolina Panthers, six foot five, two fifty, has a ninety point five PFF pass rushing grade so far this year. Thirty one total pressures in nine games. The dude has played really, really well, really taken a step forward. And he's a unique test for any tackle, really. But the way he rushes the passer is not like a lot of guys in that he is pure speed, pure athleticism. He is about as bendy and twitchy as you'll see an edge rusher, but. Uh, so Tristan Wirfs has handled guys like Cameron Jordan well power guys mm-hmm. different edge rusher entirely you're going to have to it's not even like pass protected it's it's a different skill set altogether when you go up against a guy like Brian Burns so this will be a fun matchup to watch and, and Wirfs has only allowed what four pressures in the last or five pressures in the last uh, no four pressures in the last four games do the math sorry about do that four pressures in the last four games 78.7 PFF pass blocking grade his worst game so far this year where I still feel like he played above expectation for a rookie offensive tackle was going against Khalil Mack and the Chicago Bears where he got that one play where he got thrown across yeah. and just absolutely embarrassed by Khalil Mack but I do think that uh, Tristan Wirfs has overall played really well this is gonna be a good test for him I think another guy well we're talking about second year leaps Jeffrey Simmons Jeffrey Simmons for the Tennessee Titans looks very, very good. He was the guy that fell in the draft due to a pre-draft injury and some other off-field stuff from us that we won't yeah, get into. Yeah, he beat up a chick yeah, in yeah, high that, school. That, I don't remember. I don't know the whole story, but it was not. I saw the video. That. Was it bad? 
I mean, he punched it or kicked a girl, punched a girl, oh, kicked a girl. It was in high school. Yikes. And it was not like a domestic violence incident. It was just like a street brawl. So, my God. Anyway, he's played really well this year, too. <laughs> uh, Jeffrey Simmons yeah. and Brian Burns have both taken second year leaves. We'll see how he does against Tristan Wirfs. My, I'm going to start with this. Brandon Ayuk, I didn't get a chance to see him go against Jerry Alexander and the Green Bay Packers on Thursday night. He ends up being, what, a close contact with a false positive and Kendrick Bourne. I don't even know how that situation see, went. They're just like the receiving core, just like gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely gone. Kendrick Bourne tests positive for COVID-19. Brandon Ayuk ends up having to miss that game. Didn't get a chance to see him go against Jair Alexander. Now, going against the New Orleans Saints, Marshawn Lattimore, C.D. Deuce, Janoris Jenkins. I think this All of a good... sudden, a good defense. Yeah. I'll... No, no. So, my, my, my take on that, with you know the New Orleans Saints playing well against Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the defense specifically, is that they were in a you know really good game script, what, 16 minutes into that game? Yeah. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers punted four times in the first 16 minutes, and the Saints were like... 28-0. They also like forced them to punt four times. No, I agree. I agree. And, and I will, they started hot. They started hot. This was a defense of Saints that, on paper, was much much better than they had been playing. Yeah, like yeah, they, yeah. they have the talent to get it done there. I, I think their defensive line finally showed up to what we thought they'd be. Uh, David Onyemata had a monster game. Now he's going up against backup, but he had a monster game in that one. So I, I do think that this defense is better than they've played. That's closer to what I expected. Them they to are be. who we thought they were. And we let him mm. off the hook. Um, but it's a good matchup for him. There's a lot of good, talented corners there. But before missing the San Francisco 49ers Week 9 matchup against the Green Bay Packers, you know, Brandon Ayuk had, what, 14 receptions over the in the past two weeks, over so 200 receiving yards. yards. Yeah, yeah he, he, he was looking good. And I think going against the New Orleans Saints with, um, you know, other injuries along that offense, I think he's going to get the targets, the volume, and we're going to actually get to see him go against a legit we are, they are who we thought they were, New Orleans Saints defense. That's a matchup I'm looking forward to for sure. All right, next one I'm looking forward to is Justin Herbert. Going up against that Dolphins cover zero, the the all out blitzes that they Brian throw Flores, at you. I think, could eat Herbert alive. Yeah, it's the same. Like he is, he he cooked up a game plan for Jared Goff that made him look like a twelve year old, like out there in his first game of high school. Like that was just absolute <laughs> demolition in high school. Well, I mean, that's why. Gotcha, <laughs> that's because gotcha. they look like that. Um, <laughs> but but, her, but I also like the stuff they do in terms of just putting like six, seven guys in line of scrimmage and backing out their DTs and mm-hmm. rushing slot corners. And like, having it's really a lot. good outside corners. Yeah. That's another thing, too. You can't do what Brian Flores wants to do aggress- from an aggressiveness standpoint without yeah. Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. Yeah. I mean, we're not going to pat our backs about the coverage versus pass rush debate, but they have no pass rushers and they have the best defense in the NFL. <laughs> Go enough. figure. Um, but this is going to be a good matchup for him. It could be, I mean, like we saw Joe Burrow in a similar matchup against the Baltimore Ravens just f- look like wet toilet paper. It just fell apart. Like, so we'll see. I love how- these references. <laughs> We'll see how Justin Herbert does in this one. Man, I hope he. I'd rather look like a twelve-year-old in my first day of high school. At least then, then I have like skipped grades and I'm brilliant, you know. <laughs> but a wet toilet paper—that's okay. that's awful. <laughs> that is legitimately awful. So far this year, though, I want to talk about like Joe or Justin Herbert's lowest-graded single game was when he got randomly was given the start against the Kansas City Chiefs, a 56.9 overall grade in that game. And he arguably played well compared to expectations. Mm-hmm. Since then, he's earned, what, 67.0 plus PFF grades in every single game he started. I think this one could be the next stinker for him. I, I think this one oh. will be tough. I, I think Justin Herbert won't come out of this game with a 65.0 or even a 60.0 plus PFF grade. I think Brian Flores dials it up, makes him look like wet toilet paper <laughs> I, in this one. I will say I've been waiting to write about Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. 
Maybe this is. But the they got to win first. <laughs> or I'm gonna start, like they got to actually make a nice W before I write you know good things about Justin Herbert, or else no one's gonna want to read it. No, you're not wrong. All right, my next matchup is Damian Lewis, who is I think the second highest graded rookie offensive lineman behind Damian uh, behind Michael Mwenu. So, yeah. Uh, so far this year, and he had coming off we talked about it on the Monday episode a really really good game in Week Nine. Now going against. Los Angeles Rams, meaning you're going to see Aaron Donald and Michael Brockers, maybe a little Greg Gaines action, but I hope we see a little Aaron Donald versus Damian Lewis because my concern with Lewis, as well as he's done as a run blocker, yeah. and that's largely propping up his overall grade, his pass protection has been suspect against a handful of guys this year. Like he has allowed some pressures. He has you know had a lower pass blocking grade than he does have a run blocking grade. I think Aaron Donald is the Damian Lewis types kryptonite in some ways and that he's just a big beefy dude that wants to go against bull rushers. Aaron fucking Zach Martin's kryptonite. He's, true, he true, true. So, no, yeah. that's fair. But I'm saying the type of rusher that Aaron Donald is, Kenny Clark is, uh, yes. Eddie Jarrett, these guys that move really, really quickly off the snap. Damian Lewis is going to struggle as big as that dude is. I think um, I want to say this about Damian Lewis too. We were talking about comps for Damian Lewis entering the draft. I, the more we watch this tape and the more we see him playing in the NFL, I really do think that Gabe Jackson, Gabe Jackson. comp was the yeah. best one because he's just a monster. He's yeah. a big, not fat. He's just a bulky, beefy dude in the middle mm-hmm. that really struggles to get pushed back and makes people, you know, pushes people in the dirt in the run game. And, and that's the thing is you don't at guard compared to tackle. You don't need to be the most fleet of foot to mm-hmm. still be good in pass protection if you can just not because a lot of like far more pressures on the interior a far higher percentage of pressures on the interior or bull rush, like guy collapsing the pocket that mm-hmm. matters. Like having a pocket step up into is important. So losing like quickly with speed, whatever is not nearly as big a deal on the interior. Yeah. And so, but I mean, that's why they call phone booth guys. Against that's why Aaron Donald. Yeah, it is. <laughs> no, no, against Aaron Donald, you can get work. And yeah. I think, uh, I think Damian Lewis could have one of his lowest graded games of the season, depending on the amount of reps that he sees against Aaron Donald this week, your next matchup in the NFL. I'm sick of the quarterback position. I kept it easy this week. And mm. is Joe Burrow going up against the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. That is a like another Blitzburg. Blitzburg, yeah, like like in Pittsburgh. Like too. I said, the first time when they went up against Baltimore, wet toilet paper. But that can't happen again. You need to see some advancement against defenses that are going to be throwing a ton at him. Now he's not going to have a great. You know who line. needs some advancement against no. defenses that are going to throw a ton at him is Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor needs mm. to step up in this game. Like the last time he went against a defense like Don Martindale, who blitzed a ton, it was atrocious. Like the offensive line and the offensive coordinator had never seen a blitz before. Gave yeah. Joe Burrow no opportunity. That's well, this is true. But last game did not get sacked against Tennessee. So we shall see how he fares in this one. You had, you had two weeks to prepare. So they better have something. That, I mean, this is everyone in Cincinnati. Now, Cincinnati versus Pittsburgh is not really a rivalry. People don't like talk about that as a rivalry. But people in Cincinnati fucking hate yes. Pittsburgh Steelers. Like, there's like a, there are fights every single year. There probably still will be, even with like 5,000 fans at whatever game. There are fights every single year at this game because there's like actual hatred between these two teams it's not like a fun rivalry yeah <laughs> they like their- our, our our producer mike quinn who's a cincinnati born and raised a diehard Bengals fan i think on game days against the sealers he hits like two or three people on his way to work like yeah. act, like with his car with his fist it doesn't really matter he just wants to beat people up and it's just not it's not a good scene everyone's a little bit angrier on steelers game day here in cincinnati which yeah. is an interesting one uh for sure all right my next matchup here is a little ohio state on ohio state action we might see some jeffrey Akuda the Detroit Lions cornerback that has, like a lot of other rookie cornerbacks, not had the best start to his rookie season. Uh, going against Terry McLaurin, the second-year receiver that continues to dominate. And Kyle Allen out for the season. We're going to get Alex Smith. And I know he didn't look good late in that game. I think Alex Smith 
could be a decent option for this Washington football team. He has I, to be better than Kyle Allen. I think he can be better than Kyle Allen, and I think he can better, yeah. be better than Dwayne Haskins. Also, okay, how how much was Alex Smith? You saw Kyle Allen's leg snap in half right before you're about to go on the football field. Oh, yeah. Was he just like like visibly shaking? Like, how could you go out there and do that? You just had your life almost like well, your leg almost amputated on the field. Whatever, two years earlier through a very similar injury, looking injury, not obviously the same. But man, I couldn't have done that. I, I'm way. Dude, they showed that replay like two or three too many times as well. The Kyle Allen replay, yeah, because because it, it was a penalty, and they're showing. Yeah. I think who was it? I don't remember who it was, but swung his leg into his leg, and you Peppers. see that thing just snap, and it was bad, absolutely bad. Yeah, I, I mean that was that's not your ankle. That's one of your that's least the favorite wrong things. Way ankle sprain, ankle sprains. I can't watch, man. I <laughs> sprained my ankle way too many times in my life to watch an ankle sprain. They they. Okay, every single time it sneaks up on me how much it hurts an ankle, like just a sprained ankle. I'll be like, maybe I'm just a huge wimp, but it hurts like a bitch. Like that's probably one of the worst pains I've ever felt. So, like a sprained ankle ain't nothing to play with, you know, to quote uh, that song that I don't even know. But either way, uh, Jeffrey Kuda versus Terry McLaurin. I think Terry McLaurin has been really good in his second season. Everyone wants to talk DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel. I'm telling you, Terry McLaurin is also, and I know he's older. Quietly he just, he doesn't have the flash, but he's yeah. quietly just like a very good route. Very consistent. And yeah. You know, you know, he's, uh, from a consistency standpoint, it's like, um, I don't even know who I'm trying to reference here, but I think Terry McLaurin, he's running a way more intermediate route tree as well. His average depth of target has yeah. dropped a bit, and I think they're getting him more involved than he did in different ways than they did the previous year. He's not just a deep threat, not just a vertical threat. Uh, McLaurin, man, big fan he's of He's on pace game. for almost 1,400 yards. Dude, like, stunned. Just with, with butt at QB. Like, yeah. Butt cheeks, butt cheeks, and now Alex <laughs> Smith, who is like, again, still trying to find his way back in the NFL. Yeah. He's got cover, you know, comeback player of the year kind of locked up just for like legitimately being on the football field. But still, he didn't look good late in that game. I think he could have a better off, lead a better offense than Kyle Allen and Haskins did. Uh, I'm interested to see how it goes. Green line bet of the week. So if you don't know what green line is, it's PFF's betting dashboard. We have it for the NFL and NCAA offers uh, projections on spread, total, and the money line. Get your bets right. Get your bets right. You can subscribe to PFF Elite uh, to get access to those betting dashboards. Speaking of which, what is your NFL green line pick of the week? My pick of the week is, we touched on a little bit, the Rams, Los Angeles Rams, one and a half point favorites against Seahawks. Give me the Rams in that really? matchup. Give me the Rams. They won. Pete Carroll, even when they had good defenses, never stops Sean McVay. Sean McVay just goes to town on that Seattle Seahawks defense. And this one, I think, will be even worse. I mean, more so. This is the worst Seahawks defense one of the worst defense in NFL history right now. So that being the case, and then Aaron Donald, like they, no one still, they still are not nowhere near competent enough to deal with Aaron Donald offensively. And I think that that's going to be two a problem skid, that always man. takes over those games. So I do think two game skid. Give me the Rams. Man, projecting a two game skid for the Seattle Seahawks that will be unfortunate. Right after the Pete Carroll extension, too. I'll say this. I don't. I think Andrew Siciliano tweeted this out. I'm, not sure, I'm sure you saw it as well. The Seattle Seahawks defense are on pace to allow the most passing yards in a single season ever by over 1,000 yards. They're on pace to break the record by over 1,000 yards. That's people, absurd. You, it's like, wasn't it like people, the quarterback, opposing quarterback turns into better than Patrick Mahomes against them. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, just insane. And, and you saw Jamal Adams getting into it, Pete Carroll on the sideline. Well, they have I would no tell, pass rush whatsoever. You tell me to go play man coverage against Stephon Diggs, I, I'll scream at my head coach. So like, you're hanging me out to dry, bro. It's like, yeah. hey, go guard LeBron James one-on-one, Mike. See what happens. I'm not going to give you any help. Okay. 
<laughs> um, my green line pick green line sees some value on this one I, I i like it as well the minnesota vikings going to chicago as plus two and a half favorites a plus two and a half that's not through a key number i think i would rather take it on the money line there you're probably getting more value mm-hmm. um but i think I like, I like the vikings on the road the vikings look really good over the past few weeks and as much as you want to fade like an offense that's predicated on just dalvin cook being an absolute monster i think he's going to continue to be an absolute monster and i still have no faith in the chicago bears offense the quarterback position has not been volatile, has not been up and down for Nick Foles and slash Mitch Trubisky. It's been just mediocre or not, yeah. or if not bad, They're every just single week. The, uh, what's a, mm, I should have thought about this one before. What's the bottom of the wave called? They're still at the bottom. It's a long bottom of the wave. I have no idea trough. what the bottom the rip? The I don't know. I have no idea what the bottom of a wave is called. The top of the wave is the crest. Trough. It's got to be trough? a trough. Interesting. Isn't it the trough? They're, they're, in, the, they're in the 20-year trough. Chicago at quarterback. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm taking the Vikings. The right I'm taking the Vikings as underdogs on the road against Chicago. Let's go ahead and pivot to the college. The Vikings fo- are favored in this one. I saw plus two and a half. I thought. I thought they were favored by two and a half. Let me see. Is that line moved? Let me get. Let me get. Let me get. Let me make sure I'm, I'm getting the people what they need. Oh no, no, the Vikings are favored by two and a half. I like that like even. It. I still like that though because it's not. It's not through a key number. He still it's likes not, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not through a key number. I like the Vikings, but I wouldn't take the Vikings on the money line now. If they're minus two and a half, you might as well take the the, the three value there and take them against the spread. Vikings minus two and a half for Chicago. All right, let's jump to uh, college prospects to watch. Who's your guy? I have heard rumors that Rondell Moore is returning this week against Northwestern. Knock on wood. Hmm. Praise God, Rondell's back. I can't wait. I can't wait to see him on the college football field. Now, Northwestern not going to be a great matchup. He's going up against a lot of guys who will never even touch an NFL football field. But just seeing Rondell Moore play football is a prospect I would like to watch. You don't even like Rondell anymore. I'm gonna say it right now. But Rondell, you put Rashad Bateman over Rondell Moore in your first round mock. Is that yeah, you predicting what teams do there? Or are you this just predicting? Are you fading more? Are you fading I'm not Rondell? Fading Rondell Moore. Go look at the draft board, Austin. <laughs> Go look at the draft board. Come back and see me. Can you go check the draft board and look up his position on the draft board right now? I will. I will. Okay. No, no, right now. Right now? Yeah. Okay. Go to the PFF draft board. And if you, if you haven't checked that out, by the way, you can see it for free. You don't need to be a subscriber to check out PFF's draft board. Just Google PFF draft board. But if you are an Ed subscriber, you can see three-year college football grades for every single player in the 2021, 2020. And I'm adding today. 2019, 2018, and 2017 big boards. Oh. You can go back and see grades and uh, analysis for even the previous classes, Get which will be a ton of fun. Looking at draft board, let's see where he's ranked. He's ranked seventh, right behind Jillian Waddle. And I, I guess that's fair. I just didn't like we had him in the mock draft. Okay. Given yeah. Rashad Bateman to Green Bay and not Rondell Moore. Either way, Jahan Dotson is the guy I'm looking at. And I know he's not on anyone's radar right now. Been at Penn State. Now, this is his third season at Penn State. But when you, put, when you do what he did to Sean Wade, yeah. who a lot of people see as a first-round pick, uh, in uh, against Ohio State a few weeks ago, eight receptions from 12 targets for 144 and three touchdowns, and then follow that game up against Maryland, which I know is not as good as competition, but nine receptions from 17 targets for 123 and one touchdown. This guy's seeing a higher target rate and target share than Pat Fryer moves, but a lot of people like in this tight end class. I think Dotson, I saw some shake from this kid. Five foot 11, 182, going against Sean Wade in week nine. I, I haven't turned on the tape for um, Maryland yet, but the production's there. I, I want to watch more of them. I, the only reason I turned it on was to see Sean Wade play, and now I might be turning on tape to see Dotson play. Yeah, I, I mean, he is a breakout, one of the biggest breakouts in college football, it looks like. He went from kind of afterthought on offense to, I mean, like he's the focal point now. So, Yep, 
Who's your next guy? My next guy is going to be another, God willing, Wisconsin's back playing football, hopefully. Pay, we've touched on, monster, week in, week out. I want to see him against Cole Van Lannan. We said Cole Van Lannan, Chase Young, single-handedly brought him back to school this year. Said, no, you don't belong in the NFL. <laughs> Just torpedoed his draft stock. But he has had his flashes over the years. So Cole Van Lannan, the left tackle for Wisconsin, going up against Pay. And I'd like to see Wisconsin just play some football at this point. Uh, I was at one point a Wisconsin fan. Obviously, then went to Notre Dame. Not anymore. But still kind of, I still root for them. So I still hope for uh, them to get blown out in the Big Ten but championship by Ohio State. Quidipay could have a similar performance that Chase Young did against Cole Van Lannan. pay has been playing out of his mind. All right. My matchup is going to be J.C. Horn, who is, by the way, before I get into this, an arm, a leg, a torso, better than Israel Mukamu. He is the better cornerback. I, I, I think he's yeah. the better quarterback. I think he's more I mean, athletic, and he still has good size. As, as good as Mukamu, as big as Mukamu is, mm-hmm. and he was kind of, I think, targeted as one, the better cornerback of the two going into this year. I think J.C. Horn is the better one. Him going against Elijah Moore, who mostly plays in the slot or has mostly played in the slot for Ole Miss, but they're putting him in outside now. I mean, he, ha- he had some outside routes in the, uh, this previous week. He ran some double moves and stuff like that. I think they're trying to get creative with him his target share in that offense is absurd they throw to him all the freaking time if jc horn can get some matchups on him and limit him i think that'll be really impressive for his stock so far this year horn a an 81.1 pff coverage grade five passes defense and two picks i really like horn joe horn's son by the way if you yeah. don't know it's joe horn's son it is there's joe horn the is the guy is. joe horn's probably a little bit before my time i'm only 26 years old mm-hmm. but joe horn is the guy that pulled the cell phone cell out phone. of the sock right that's that's how I know. It wasn't out of the sock. Oh. It was underneath. Oh, that's right. The, no, 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 no. Uh, Randy Moss pulled a Sharpie out of his sock. T.O. pulled a Sharpie out Jesus, of his sock. Jesus, I'm going to go home. Can I go home? You were young. You were young. I was young. I was, I was young also afraid. young, but I just... Okay, I I'm going to look up Joe, Joe Horn's career while you give me your next matchup. All right, my next matchup is going to be a wide receiver position. Amon Ross St. Brown going up against Arizona. Lorenzo Burns, God willing, again, Arizona plays football this week after not playing last week. Um but Amon Ross around 100 yards last week, but honestly, I wasn't like that impressed with him. He had some he had some go balls in the outside, didn't haul in, had a couple drops. Uh, not an excellent performance that he's now playing outside wide receiver there for USC. Going up against Lorenzo Burns, three-year starter for Arizona. Got some speed, but he hasn't been the stickiest of cover guys. So we w- shall see them go up against each other, hopefully. I want to see more of Monroe St. Brown. We, we've talked about it yeah. going into this year that seeing more of him at outside receiver, which he's playing more of this year, <clears throat> is huge for his stock. And I think uh, I, I, turned, I watched that documentary again, the HBO one. I think it's called um, Game Plan or something like that. The St. Brown Brothers one. Have you seen okay. it? No. I bring it up all the time. Equinemia St. Brown, Amon Ross St. Brown, and then there's, what, Osiris St. Brown is the yeah. other guy? All, so the documentary, which I encourage you all to check out, it's on HBO. We had a uh, podcast listener reach out to me saying, where do I find it? And I found it and watched it again. His, their dad puts them through the absolute ringer. They, like, work out, like, freaking four times a day. Their diet is, like, yeah. cured by their mom. Like, they don't they, stretch. It, it, they don't stretch because she just don't stretch. Yeah, it's it's incredible. It is incredible. He said, hey, we have this floor of athleticism because your mom and me are, are, are dudes. Like, yeah. legit uh, – not dudes. <laughs> your mom and me <laughs> – your mom and I are legit athletes, but we're going to take that floor and raise it significantly because I am going to put you in boot camp since you're five. And like all three of them are now what? Playing their power five offers. They all have went to one power five Stanford. Schools. The Stanford one, I don't think he's going to play in the NFL. I think he's a senior now. What the hell, man? Just what the hell? And also, Echonemius keeps getting hurt, so maybe they should stretch. 
<laughs> um, but yeah, I'm on Ross St. Brown versus Lorenzo Burns. My next one, it's 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 simple. I watch Ohio State every single week. I don't care that they're 25 point favorites against Maryland, and I watch them because this this roster is loaded with NFL talent. And I want to see more Chris Olave. Garrett mm-hmm. Wilson's getting way too much love, and I no, know he's great. He's I better. know he's great. He's just not draft eligible. I want to see more Olave. I also want to see him more against single coverage, but. There aren't going to be a lot of defenses that play single coverage concepts or a high percentage of them against Ohio State. Yeah. Like, you would be foolish Michigan. to do it. But I want to see more Chris Olave. I want to see more Justin Fields. They're just, they're, they're up there. The I think they're the, they might be the best team in college football. Okay. Ohio well, State. They're ranked third for a reason because there's two better teams, according to the polls. <laughs> you're, you're high <laughs> if you think Notre Dame is a better football team than Ohio State. I'm sorry. It's a better football team. That might not be more talented, but. Stop. It's, <laughs> you're, you're, you're insane. You're insane. Anyway, that's, that's going to do it for my uh, Chris Lawley pick. I did look up Joe Horn's numbers. His last 100 target season in the NFL at 33 years old, I was nine. So that explains why Fair I didn't enough. really get a lot of that stuff going. But yeah. here we are. All right. Fat, we're going to close the show here and then jump to uh, close the show with our NCAA Greenline picks and then jump to our interview with Chad Ryder, which uh, very knowledgeable guy. That guy's been around the league for what? 10, 20 years. He started with, he the, had, Mike he had in the, background started with the Mike Vick draft. When he started analyzing <laughs> we, we were getting ready to start, and in the background, he's got Ohio State Rutgers on. Rewatching that tape after it was just an absolute bludgeoning. Uh, that, that's yeah. the type of film grinder we're talking to here in a couple minutes. But uh, go ahead and give me your green line pick here. My green line pick is going to be Ohio State. 25-point favorites against Maryland. Maryland's not good. I mean, I know they gave Minnesota a game. Even. Yeah, at that level. Maybe even worse, used toilet paper. Um, but Maryland... So I was going through the top prospects every team in the Big Ten for an article. Maryland was the most difficult team to find a legit. They like they do not have NFL prospects at this point. It's <laughs> so a guy listed. This guy listed Chance Campbell, linebacker for Maryland, good player. Not not a great NFL prospect by any means. And I kind of wrote in the article, I'm like, you know, like how bad that this roster is. Is that their his upside or like his like his projection in the NFL is like more than likely a special teamer. And I get a DM on Twitter like two days later uh, from a guy, last name Campbell. We'll just say his last name's Campbell. And he says, <laughs> I, I think I have some information you might on a draft prospect that you might uh, that you might find interesting. And I'm just like, I'm not going to respond to that. Uh, I, I have open DMs, but like they can't see that I've read them if, uh, if I don't go and click in and respond. So I'm just like, I, I don't need like this. I don't need these problems. And then all of a sudden, it's just like 230 pounds is not on her size. She runs a 4.6. And I'm just like, holy shit, guy. Like, <laughs> I've got, I, got, I, can't, I, I still haven't responded. I'm not going to respond. Uh, usually when agents or fathers of players reach out, I just kind of leave that be because there's no winning that game. There is no winning. That's the thing. So I had someone ask me recently, I think it was on a radio hit. They said, how often do you get um, – emails or dms from like players parents at the collegiate level and i all the time i you know when i first started pff i was working in customer service yeah you get in season two or three four a day from parents siblings girlfriends about their 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 you know their yeah. random player not grading well or whatever it may be with chance campbell six foot three listed at 235 mike runs okay. a four six asshole yeah which, but uh, so far this year, is only the, the biggest highlight here is only missed one tackle. Only missed one tackle so far this year. I mean, he's a solid player. I'm not fucking hating on him. Called him an NFL prospect. Like, dude, getting, an NFL, getting called an NFL prospect is a good thing. She just responded like, dude, you be honor. Yeah. He'll be lucky to weigh 225, piece of shit. No, I don't know. But I feel like it's it's uh, a losing battle. You yeah. try and get you try and approach them rationally. You know who? Or even like do- they get a lot of small school guys yeah. who are like, watch my film. And I'm like. You know, Anthony Tresh, who was on this podcast a couple weeks ago, yeah. he runs into Liam Eikenberg's dad all the time in the gym. 
who oh. I, think, I think lives out here in Cincinnati. Okay. And he said, Liam Eikenberg's dad is the opposite. Liam Eikenberg will go up to Tresh all the time, say, how did he grade? He looked good, whatever. This, uh, a couple weeks ago or something, he said, he came up to me and was like, I'm not even going to ask you how he graded. He played like shit. And was like, <laughs> like, his dad is just like way, way into it. He's That's like, cool. dude, he, um, uh, so Liam Eikenberg's dad is a stud. Is it I don't, Liam It might not be Eikenberg's dad, the more I say it. Um, it's a different Notre Dame lineman. It's Kramer. John it's Kramer's Kramer dad. You're right. Tommy Kramer. Which Tommy Kramer is a dad name. So your dad is already going to be like a, an elevated version of a dad. Yeah, Tommy Kramer is the most dad name. Like if you're going to cast a movie like Home Alone again, I feel yeah. like the dad's name. The dad's name in Home Alone might be Tommy Kramer. I don't know because it's such a dad name. Um, all right. Well, that's going to do it for our. Are you going to make your pick? Oh, my pick. Oh, my pick. I suck. My pick is going to be Washington State plus 10. I like Washington State plus 10. I, I think the true freshman quarterback played well for them. Go Cougs last week. I don't know if you saw that game. It was a little Pac-12 after dark, actually. Yeah, every, every, every Washington State QB. It's a pipeline at this point. It's, it is a pipeline at this Those, point. like seven. Gardner Minshew. Seventh rounders. What, can we talk about your boy Gardner? Because it's been a while since you brought him up on the pot. Yeah, we can talk about my boy Gardner. Before, <laughs> let, me, let me flesh out this Washington State take. They're going against Oregon okay. at home, plus 10. I think the Washington State quarterbacks played well enough. Uh, right now, 74% of the tickets, 57% of the cash is on Oregon. I'm fading the market right now. Nice. I like Washington State at home plus 10. But, yeah, Gardner Minshew wanted to play through that injury. Obviously, he's been playing through that injury for most of the season. And now they're putting him on the bench for Jake Luton, who – here's the thing. Jake Luton has way better arm. <laughs> His arm yeah. is just, like, absurd – not absurdly good, but it's way better yeah. than what uh, Gardner Minshew can put out. And, like, the more we study this game, the more we watch and talk football, you realize that like a lack of arm talent is very, very difficult, very difficult mm-hmm. to overcome like in the NFL. It, 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 Gardner Minshew can be can see the freaking future and still struggle with that arm. Yeah, it's, because you can't run certain route concepts. You can't run. I mean, you have to keep you have to keep in mind like hash versus bound or field mm-hmm. versus boundary. You can't be throwing deep outs across the way. Like it's it's it's, it's very difficult for Gardner Minshew to be good. Yeah. However, he has defined odds. Like mm-hmm. six round pick, found ways to start. He's won football games for them. They shouldn't have won. Um, I still think he's a career backup in the NFL. Luton's interesting, though. I thought he looked all, all right as a rookie. But like, he, he bombed was, a chart to start. was kind of hot. He's the guy who I, I thought he should have been getting the hype that – who was the FIU quarterback that I just, I just like did not Oh, James Morgan. Whatsoever. James Morgan, mm-hmm. who went fourth round. I, I thought they're like draft To the Jets, stops. right? Yeah. I thought they should have been flipped. Like, Luton had just as good an arm. And I thought he played actually like a little better football at Oregon State. I don't know. Plus, James Morgan's but, a so, ginger, so right? Should, I feel like that's kind of a red flag. Is he? I don't know, actually. <laughs> you know, Sam and Steve on the NFL podcast talk about they like, have the ginger, ginger energy. The ginger theory, where like there's yeah. only so much ginger talent in the NFL. So when like Andy Dalton gets concussed, it goes to Carson Wentz. He's a true ginger. It's it's trash. It's yeah. trash. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I, I can't believe I even mentioned kind of, it. Yeah. Um, I'm a piece of shit for that. Either way, uh, let's go ahead and jump to this Chad Ryder review. And uh, I really like what this guy had to say. A lot of good stuff. We talked about the quarterback class, edge class, obviously the quarterback class in 2021 also made a pun, a Tristan Wirfs pun. Guy's a legend. Guy's a legend. Let's get to it. PFF and Sunday Night Football's Chris Collinsworth is teaming up with one of the best players on and off the field, 49ers All-Pro cornerback Richard Sherman. The Chris Collinsworth podcast featuring Richard Sherman is available now wherever you find your podcasts. They will provide the most interesting football conversation in sports every single week, and sometimes that means the discussion will venture off the field too. Additionally, Chris will be taking a deep dive into the game of football as he sees it, inviting the best and brightest to talk about everything that is happening in the great game of football. Mark your calendars. You do not want to miss the best 60 minutes of insight this season. MooseFit is a premium online workout program and remote coaching service that provides you with daily workouts based on your goals, the time you have available, and the equipment you have at your disposal. 
Purchase your MooseFit membership and a MooseFit coach will reach out to you with a questionnaire. Based on the information provided in the questionnaire, your MooseFit coach will either assign a pre-made program to you or will create a custom program for you. No two programs are the same. MooseFit is well-equipped to help provide you with daily workouts that will help you reach reach your health and fitness goals. For PFF listeners, use code PFF50 and receive 50% off your first month. For more information, check them out on Instagram at MooseFit or on their website, www.moosefit.co. In these uncertain times, life is full of questions. Like, when should I start thinking about life insurance? But however difficult these questions may be, Western and Southern can help you answer them. Backed by over 130 years of experience, together we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind. Western and Southern Financial Group, life insurance, retirement, and investments. Compensated endorser, products issued by member companies of Western and Southern Financial Group, Cincinnati, Ohio. Joining the Two for One Drafts podcast is none other than NFL.com's Chad Ryder, working remotely in Wisconsin. He's a Wisconsin guy. Mike, I don't know if you know that. Big Packers fan, Chad? Where are you at there? Uh, well, yeah, that's that's how I you know got interested in it, uh, watching Chester Markle and Harlan Huckleby and a bunch of the guys from the 1980s, you know, back in the day. But, uh, you know, nowadays I work for the league and stuff. My fandom's kind of tempered a little bit, and uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's – I, I, I don't root against anybody anymore. Those were some lean Packers years, the 80s. I've, I've heard. I was not alive back then, but it is a birthright, Austin. If you are it, from it, Wisconsin, you have to be a Packers fan. It's a birthright. Wow. Yes. Yeah, it, it really was. And people who are under the age of, you know, 30 certainly don't know what it what it means to have been a Packer fan in the late 70s through the 80s. It was, it was not great. I mean, they had some eight and eight years and stuff, but it wasn't. It wasn't great. It wasn't great, but it was still fun. Definitely encourage everyone to follow Chad Ryder on Twitter at Chad underscore Ryder, R-E-U-T-E-R. He's been working with NFL.com for what, over a decade following the draft? How long have you been doing this, Chad? Uh, I've been with the NFL media for about 10 years, maybe nine years, something like that. And uh, I've been, But I've been following the draft for 20 years. Um, my first draft was the Michael Vick, Drew Brees um, uh a draft of uh, 2001 uh, that I really was paying close attention to and, and had my own website and and stuff like that uh, before working with CBS Sports and Sports Exchange for a few years and then going to the network. All right, well, let's go ahead and look ahead to the 2021 NFL draft. I know the season is still ongoing. People are looking at rookies, still watching a ton of tape, but I think this is shaping up to be one of the better quarterback classes we've seen in NFL draft for quite some time. I think there's rumors there could be four, five quarterbacks drafted in the first round. Two-fold question for you, Chad. Where do you currently have the top five signal callers ranked, and how many do you think end up going in the first 32 picks? Well, I think every year quarterbacks get pushed up a little bit, probably a little further than they should. And then the draft comes and they get pushed back down a little bit. Uh, every year there's like a Will Greer or somebody like that. It says, oh, maybe he'll be a late first round pick. And then he goes second, third, fourth round. Um, so I think we're seeing that a little bit with a couple of, with a couple of guys like uh, Kyle Trask, for example, uh, Florida, you know, probably a better second round pick, um, something like that in terms of not having, you know, elite traits and, and he's playing, he's playing very well. Um, like a guy like Greer did, for example, in West Virginia in his final year there. Um, but uh, you know, I think it's really Lawrence and fields at the top with Zach Wilson from BYU, um, in that mix as well in, in the first round. 
Uh, and then, you know, you've got Trey Lance from North Dakota State. And, you know, for the one year he's on the field, he looked pretty good. And I think he's got enough tools that a team can work with them, even though he has a limited number of starts. Uh, and I think a team will take a take a chance on him in the first round. But um, but he's, uh, you know, certainly very talented. And then you've got Trask and Mac Jones kind of fighting it out. Um, and Mac's been great this year. I mean, um, he's, you know, he, he's been more. It's interesting. Trask is, is a tough runner. Mac Jones is a little more uh, purely athletic, I think, in terms of a, a mobile guy who, you know, you think of him as a pocket passer and that's typically what he is, but he can move, he can throw on the run. He can do a little bit of everything. So he's kind of a wild card as far as how high he's going to go. I kind of want to ask you just about quarterback scouting in general and the theory of how long it takes you to feel comfortable about a guy at the top of the draft. Kind of last year, Joe Burrow, everyone had to see it for a little over half a season, I think, before teams were, or people in the media were really on board with him as the top quarterback in that draft. Mac Jones, I mean, elite through six games. Zach Wilson, elite through eight games. How much more do you need to see to really feel confident about guys like that if they don't have, you know, the monster traits like a uh, like a Trevor Lawrence? Yeah. Well, Wilson's really been, you know, starter for a while. Um, mm -hmm. And it's not just, you know, he kind of came off the radar this year a little bit, but there's some past tape on him to show that he's got some of the stuff that you, you like in a quarterback. And, you know, Mac played a little bit last year as well, as well. And he was an elite press. I mean, he was an elite recruit too. It's not, it's not as though he was a two star mm -hmm. that kind of came up. So I think when you add together all that stuff, um, we're getting to the point now where we can say, yeah, this is pretty much what this guy is. Um, and then, you know, obviously when you work with NFL coaches, you improve in that when you make that your full-time everyday job, you're going to improve as well. Um, for the most part, if you have those skills. So I think, I think starting in the second half of the season, sort of like, well, we'll, we'll talk about NFL rookies as well. Uh, you know, getting into the second half of their first season, some of them hit the wall. And some of them continue to ascend. And, and I think you're going to see that with some of these prospects as well. Um, you know, typically I'd want to see at least two years of, of film on a guy. Uh, and But like for Trey Lance, for example, it's not going to be Mac Jones. If he decides to come out this year, it would be a little more than a year. But I think you pretty much know what you've got in terms of skill sets with those guys uh, after a year plus. I've been interested to see how much Zach Wilson's nickname has progressed as he's gotten better. It was Mormon Manziel. Some people are calling him Mormon Mahomes now. It's just as he gets better and he puts out more better, you know, better film, the nickname gets better as well. I want to pivot to yeah. the 2021 wide receiver class. And I think yeah. Mike and I have talked about this wide receiver class might be better than 2020. And a lot of people like the 2020 class, Jerry Judy, yeah. T. Higgins, etc. Henry Ruggs. But this class, Jamar Chase kind of leading the way right now. You also have Rondell Moore, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith. Rashad Bateman, what's your opinion of this 2021 receiver class? Who are some of your favorites? And do you think it's actually better than uh, 2020? Yeah, I mean, it's going to depend, of course, about who decides to come out and who doesn't. I mean, I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see whether the COVID situation forces more guys to come out or they really want to, uh, you know, get out of school and get paid. Um, that could be the case. But if some of them end up staying back, uh, maybe not as deep as last year, but if all the guys that could come out do, you know, or at a similar pace as last year, for example, I think this class is better top to bottom. Uh, and to me, you've got the top three of Chase, Waddle, 
and uh, Devonta Smith. And those three, I would take over last year's top three, uh, Ruggs, Judy, and Lamb. So at the top, it's a little better. Through the middle rounds, it's fairly similar, I think, to last year. And it might be a little deeper. I think there were 34 receivers picked last year. There could be more like 36, 37, um, et cetera. You've got, you know, you've got guys like Jalen Darden from North Texas. You've got Jonathan Adams from Arkansas State. You got all these guys that are going to push themselves in the third to fifth round area that are really talented. So I, I think this year's class could be a little bit better than last year's. I want to kind of focus on the top here and Jamar Chase obviously opted out of the season. Where would you rank him in terms of this year's class and last year's class? Is he the best prospect among that group? Yes. I would say uh, Chase is probably one of the top 10 in the past decade or something, maybe a little, a little higher. He's not quite at that elite physical guy, uh, you know, Kelvin Johnson, Julio Jones, all that stuff. But for a guy, his if he comes in at 6'1", 205 or something like that at the combine, he plays much bigger than that. Uh, I think he's going to be a fantastic pro. How do you foresee the NFL dealing with those elite guys at the top who have opted out? The Penny Sewell, uh, Jamar Chase, Micah Parsons. I'd even throw Caleb Farley kind of into that mix that everyone's seemingly high on coming into this year, but we're just not going to have tape on them. Well, I, I think I saw you and uh, – uh, Jordan Reed talking about this earlier, Mike, on Twitter a little bit um, with the edge class, which is going to mm -hmm. be, I think, our next thing we wanted to talk about. Um, and I think you look at a guy like Greg Rousseau from Miami, who I think is still the top edge in this draft. Um, Quiddy Pay has been great at Michigan, but I think when you look at the circumstances, why guys were not playing this year, I really think uh, teams have to just consider the circumstances. Um, for example, Rousseau's mom was a nurse. His, his uh, brother has asthma. There are reasons he didn't play that had nothing to do with just, you know, oh, I'm going to be the number one edge, so I'm not going to play. You know, I, I think it's a little different even than like skipping a bowl, which I think teams are fine with, but, you know, in general, as long as your coaches say, you're, you know, you're a team player and all that stuff. You're just making a business decision. I think this is mostly going to be treated like a business decision. Unless when the scouts and the general managers are talking to the scouting staff, they're like, well, you know, maybe it wasn't. Yeah, unless they get some negative feedback that way. But I really think teams just have to go off talent. Um, and again, some of these guys like Rousseau, so much of this process is projection anyway. Um, if you've got just enough film against good players, you're going to project anyway where that guy's going to end up in three years. So you've got to do that either way. If he's a solid kid, um, athletically gifted, he, you can see hustle and effort on the film you have. I, I really don't think it's going to uh, dissuade teams from, from picking these guys. Before we jump to the, the edge class, and I also want to talk about the cornerback class, two very toolsy classes because it's the guys at the top are really really good athletes have good size good good length those things i want to talk about Devonte smith you put him firmly in that top three at the wide receiver position in 2021 there are some concerns you see people talk about his frame you know going to show up at what 185 pounds also don't see him as a top flight speed guy how do you think he overcomes those concerns are you as concerned about his frame and maybe his no. top speed as others i, I think that's all garbage I really do. Let's go, uh, Chad. I'm so glad you said that. I, I agree, man. I, go, go ahead and expand. He's, he, he is, 
he's fine speed wise. He's not huge, but he plays as tough as any other receiver in the country. Um, and I wouldn't want to try to catch that dude and nor would I want to try to tackle him, nor would I want to be blocked by him. Um, you know, he, he's an all around package and, uh, I have no, he would have been at, you know, probably fourth on my list last year. Um, and he's certainly, um, you know, in that, in that conversation this year. Um, and, and I think I wouldn't have any concerns about taking him whatsoever. All right, let's go to the edge class where you said you still have Gregory Russo as edge one, even though Quiddy Pay is dominating right now college football. How do you see or how do you stack up the top of this class? Because there's, as we said, a lot of toolsy guys. You got Rousseau, Pay, uh, Jason Owe from Penn State, now Aziz Ojulari in that mix as well from Georgia. How do you stack up? Probably the top three to five there. Yeah, I think your word of toolsy is, is appropriate. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of guys that don't have a lot of proven production um, yet. Uh, and uh, OA, you know, is kind of in that category. And But you see you see the ability. And, and teams are going to take chances on these guys. Um, Boogie Basham is kind of an interesting uh, prospect because I wouldn't say he's elite in terms of bend or – you know, quick spot in the NFL. Sometimes these larger ends that can hold up against these tackles end up performing very well because they've got strength as well. I mean, you could look at a Le'Veon chase on, you know, and he's uh, tiny, he's got bend and all that stuff, but if you're getting blown off the ball, it's not going to help. So uh, I think there's going to be a lot of good guys in this class. I don't know if there's going to be much greatness in this class, um, and, and I think uh, you mentioned most of the guys. And then you've got, you know, again, the later guys, the the Patrick Jones from Pitt, Patrick Johnson from Tulane. Um, um, I was gonna, I was going to mention somebody else, but uh, oh, Taron jo- uh, Jackson from uh, Coastal Carolina. A bunch of those kind of guys are going to come in later, and they're going to contribute right away. So I don't know how much of a difference there's going to be between a second round edge and a fifth round edge in this draft. Uh, I really don't. It's definitely not the class for if you wanted that elite pass rusher in the top 10. I mean, after Gregory Rousseau, there is a little bit of a drop-off. Obviously, Pay there as well. But I definitely yeah. don't think it's a particularly deep class. Looking at cornerback, it's also an interesting conversation. There isn't, there isn't like a true cornerback one just yet like there was with Jeffrey Okuda of Ohio State in 2020. Right now, Patrick Sertan of Alabama, Caleb Farley, Virginia Tech, even uh, Tyson Campbell of Georgia are being talked about as the top corner in this class. Where do you see it shaking out right now in terms of at the cornerback position in 2021 to me it's it's uh sertan all the way uh i just think he is tough competitive uh he finds the ball and i think more than anything else i think that's really crucial at that position um and i i think he's just so good at it obviously his dad was a fantastic player learned from one of the best to play the position but I think he just finds the ball. He's a physical guy. He can run just fine. Uh, you got the size. I, I really think he's it. And, and I think there's a lot of other guys that are, again, like you said, have a lot of tools and stuff like that. But I don't I don't know. It's interesting. The SEC is full of these guys that, that it's going to be fun to evaluate, really evaluate. Marco Wilson from Florida, Tyson Campbell from Georgia, who's all over guys. He, 
he's on you like a cheap suit, you know. Uh, it, it's it's really a lot of guys, that, both of the guys from South Carolina. J.C. Horn's played great this year. So there's a lot of SEC corners, and you're going to see um, some teams having to make decisions when they watch them athletically in testing to see, okay, what what is really his best um play what what kind of schemes can he play really what kind of what can how can he really handle can he really handle taking on a slot receiver it's going to be interesting to see how these guys kind of fit into that puzzle during during the process but to me Sertan is the the top guy size and bloodlines at the cornerback class you got jc horn patrick Sertan, asante samuel jr who doesn't have the size obviously but bloodlines there like it's going to be a very interesting israel mukoamu is like seven feet tall massive tyson campbell super long arms it's an interesting cornerback class for sure mike go ahead all right let's get to the nfl rookie class where the headline is the quarterbacks there tua looks good now in two starts herbert obviously looks good joe burrow has looked good the past handful starts after that Ravens game. How are you redrafting these guys if you got to do it right now? Um, I think I would probably still put them in the order I put them. The The issue, of course, is Herbert's looked pretty darn good. I, the question is, if you put Tua with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Hunter Henry um, – how does he look with that group? Right. I mean, and, and this is nothing against Herbert at all. It's just a fact. Um, and, and Tua is coming off injury still. I mean, he, you know, November is when he went out when he was stupidly kept in the game uh, against Mississippi state. So uh, he's still coming back from that. And you could tell in his first start, he was watching the rush a little bit, started doing that a little bit this week, but then he kind of got over that and he's just started, making plays and, and, and really just being himself. And I think he'll only get better the next couple of weeks. So for now, I'm going to say I would draft them in that same order. Um, and we'll know probably about this time next year, if, you know, where these guys' uh, trajectories are really going. So I have a theory about why all these rookies look good right out the gate and that everyone thought it was going to be tough on this rookie quarterback class because no, the pandemic's limited offseason, no preseason. I think it's actually the easiest it's ever been on quarterbacks because there's no sound in away games. You're never having to do silent counts on the road. And so your blood pressure is never rising. You can stay calm pretty much throughout the whole game. You never get that sort of quicksand that – rookies had a lot in years past i also think something that's helped them from public from a public perception standpoint is all three of them had very low expectations joe burrow's playing behind a terrible offensive line no offseason no preseason Tua tongue by lois not even starting justin herbert not even starting and also behind a bad offensive line i think the expectations were low enough to where seeing them even slightly exceed expectations and in herbert's case really putting on a highlight reel right now i think that's helping public perception of all three of those guys as well yeah, I think, interestingly, I wonder if because teams didn't have as much time to prepare for this season, if the playbooks are a little thinner, um, especially when you have rookie quarterbacks, they may not be asking them to do as much as they would a veteran um, at, at some level. Now, again, like I mentioned, Herbert came into a, his offensive line isn't great, but he's got great guys to throw to. Um, he's got some good running backs there, too, especially before I actually got hurt. Um and and uh, and Burrow, I mean, he has AJ Green, right? Tyler Boyd's Tyler Boyd's been great. Um, so these guys have a little bit of stuff to work with, in addition to their own skills. And um, uh, so I think having a little talent there, 
like you said, a little bit lower expectations, maybe a thinner play, but a lot of stuff helps them. And, and they're just talented. I mean, like between the last three years, this is the quarterbacks for the next 10 years, right? We're going to have another group this year that comes in, and this is really going to lead this league. And not only with the quarterbacks, but the receivers. Um, we've seen, well, we saw last year, Aaron Rodgers didn't have anybody to throw to. Tom Brady struggled. And usually even Tom Brady can make these guys look good, right? But when, if you don't have receivers, it, even the best quarterbacks can struggle. So both the quarterbacks and the receivers coming in, this year and the last couple of years are going to lift the lift the overall play in the league. Yeah, that that DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin class is leading the way this past year with Jared Judy, Henry Ruggs, and then obviously 2021 is going to be a monster as well. I want to close out with this and talk still in the NFL, talk about defensive rookies. I don't think there's a clearer front runner for defensive rookie of the year. I think Patrick Queen maybe is the favorite because he's going to have those box score numbers. He's going to have those tackles. But Chase Young has also played well when healthy. Antoine Winfield Jr. has played really well for Tampa Bay in bursts. Where are you at right now with defensive rookie of the year? And who are some of your favorite rookies playing defense right now in the NFL? Well, I'd go Winfield probably um, if he stays healthy. Some some of the other guys might have some injury issues. I, I think he's just a football player, plain and simple. Um, um you know, I, I think if his dad would have been a couple inches taller, he would have went even earlier in the draft than he did. And I'm certain that Junior would have went higher um, if he were a little taller. And, you know, with the guys you mentioned, but I, you know, some of the lower picked, well, not necessarily low pick guys, but like Jeremy Chin for, for Carolina has been good. Um, uh, and, you know, it was great to see Ashton Davis last night for the Jets. Um, you know, getting in there and making some plays as well. That was, that was fun to see. Alton Robinson for Seattle. Um, it, you're you're seeing flash plays out of him, and then that team needed needed more guys on the edge. So that was fun to see him making plays. Neville Gallimore, defensive tackle for Dallas, has started to actually get playing time, and now he's starting to make some plays for them. And uh, so he's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, uh, Michael Walker from from Atlanta is really um, he's showing that he was a, a legit player out of Fresno too. There's there's a it's fun to see these rookies really. Um, step up a little bit and I you know what I have to talk about offensive linemen just for a second because it, I'm a fat it. dude and we must talk about <laughs> offensive linemen just for a second because you see guys like Damian Lewis from Seattle who I just he I loved watching him at LSU uh, he's going to be a really good pro for a long time uh, oh when you for uh, for the New England Patriots uh, he's playing all the different positions uh, he just grown so much since his early in his Michigan career. Uh, it's watched watch that, and and I think although I'm not sure I would have made the trade that the Bucks did to get to get their right tackle of the future, but it really looks like Tristan was worth that that 13th pick overall. So uh, there's no way I'm doing a podcast without making a punt. So I had to I had to throw that in there. <laughs> I'm going to have to disagree with you, though. I think Michael Adwainu shrunk from early in his Michigan career. He was like 400 pounds when he showed up to Michigan. <laughs> he looks a little slighter than that now. Michael Adwainu, yes, exactly. losing weight was so big for him. And I feel yeah. like oh it God. really does speak to how the New England Patriots have really done a good job of developing offensive linemen. Isaiah Wynn, Michael Adwainu, even uh, Yeldy Froholt of Arkansas is playing well for them in purse so far this year. It's uh, Shaq Mason. Yeah, got... and, and I tell you what, Froholt was not – he looked good as a junior at Arkansas. He was not great as a senior, and so I, I w- it's really good to see him kind of learning and, and, and stepping up. If only the Patriots could do that with receivers, uh, draft receivers as well as they do some other things, they, they would even be more of a juggernaut. 
Chad, always appreciate you coming on the podcast. We'll have to get you again, uh, get you on again, maybe at the end of the season or closer to the NFL draft. Remember, everyone, follow Chad on Twitter, Chad Ryder, uh, uh, Chad underscore Ryder, R-E-U-T-E-R. Chad, thanks again. Uh, until next time, my friend. Yeah, I really appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. Chad Ryder, what a guy. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, Chad underscore Ryder, R-E-U-T-E-R. Uh, works for NFL.com. Uh, but that's going to do it for the episode. Make sure you rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. It keeps food on the table for Mike and I. You guys want us to do this in the offseason? You guys want us to keep our jobs in the offseason? Rate, review, leave a comment, whatever you have to do on the podcast. It helps us out a ton. Also, watch us on YouTube. A lot of opportunity to leave comments on how we look on YouTube. But that's going to do it. Austin Gale, Mike Renner, 2-4 and Drafts. 